Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Fans, it's great to have you back with us as we get ready for Giants baseball. This morning, we really have a very interesting guest for you. His name is Jason Cannon. He's an author. He's got a book coming out from Nebraska Press. It's called Charlie Murphy, the Iconoclastic Showman Behind the Chicago Cubs. And Charlie Murphy was one of those owners in baseball that the game was built upon. But he was not a beloved owner. He was trouble in Chicago. And we're going to hear the story of Charlie Murphy. It's very interesting. Before we do that with Jason, I'm just going to mention the Charlie Murphy story starts way back at the turn of the century in 1900. And he got the Chicago Cubs. It's going to be very interesting to hear how he got them. But the GOAT, in 1945, the goat that they wouldn't let into Wrigley Field that cursed the Cubs for so many years, that goat's name was Murphy. So that just tells you what the fans of Chicago thought about him. But the way he owned the club and the way he got it, it makes a great story, and it's done by Jason Cannon. Jason, a pleasure to have you with us. Appreciate it, Marty. Thanks for having me on. Now, I love this story and a little bit about you. You started your career in collegiate sports information before turning to teaching in the middle school and writing. You've got articles appearing in Nine, a journal of baseball history and culture. You presented work at a great conference, the Nine Conference down here in Arizona and the Cooperstown Symposium. Charlie Murphy is your first book, and it's coming out, as I said, June 1st, University of Nebraska Press. And maybe the best part, this sounds like a a Jeopardy interview uh, that uh, Ken Jennings would do. (laughs) Maybe the best part was... You were an intern for Dave Fleming in the year 2000. Tell us about that. That is a true story. Um, he treated me very well down there in the year 2000 uh, with the Visalia Oaks. I, I did a broadcast internship with him. Uh, he let me do the middle innings during the home games, and um, I would engineer the road games, <laughs> and uh, we had a great time. You know what was funny is by the time I uh, had gone back to school, I had heard a rumor that, Something or other had happened to the clubby, and Dave had wound up getting stuck doing the laundry. So I don't know if he remembers <laughs> that summer as well as I do. But uh, we all knew he was going places then, very talented and a great guy. Well, great connection, small world. I'm sure Dave is listening this morning to you. All right, Charlie Murphy, uh, the owner of the Cubs. I did a little bit of a preamble. How did you come across Charlie Murphy in the first place? Well, it goes back to, to 2016. Um, the, the Cubs were playing the Dodgers in the NLCS, and um, the Cubs, of course, win that series. And as soon as the game was over, I, I flipped it off and, and kind of moved along with my evening. But a, a good friend of mine continued to watch the postgame show. And on the postgame show, someone mentioned that the Cubs obviously returned to the World Series uh, first time in a while, but the last time the Cubs had last won the World Series back in 1908, the last pitcher to throw uh, a, a series-clinching pitch, if you will, was a guy by the name of Orville Overall, which, of course, you just can't make that name up. <laughs> right. And uh, 
uh, my friend who's watching sent a group text. A bunch of us grew up in Visalia, which is just south of Fresno. And on post game, she said, Orville Overall, who's from the Visalia Farmersville area. And out of just pure shock, he sends this, and there's five of us on the He said, have any of us heard of Orville Overall? You know, we, we're good on Jim Wolford. We've got, we've got Mike Lacoste. You know, we all know, you know, Stephen Vogt. Bay Area fans will know those three most likely. And, and other ballplayers come out of the area. But none of us knew who Orville Overall was. So long story short, we uh, started to do a little research, and I, I really, um, you know, dived into his life there in the Valley. And it was really interesting because I found out that the young overall as a teenager played against uh, someone a couple years older. And it was Frank chance who's from Fresno. And so that's how we got into overall. And by the time overall gets to the big leagues, he signs first with the Cincinnati reds. He winds up with the Cubs because chance wants to acquire him. And so the, the Chicago outfit makes a deal for him. And then overall gets into a series of contract squabbles uh, the owner is Charlie Murphy. And of course, when I first read the name, I do what most people do when they find out about this book, which is they say, I love the Chappelle show. And <laughs> it was very humorous and you know, it was great. And the more I read about these contract squabbles, I said, I got to learn more about this guy. So I finished an article on um, overall, and you mentioned nine earlier, uh, an article for, for those guys. And then I pivoted to Murphy and just jumped into the deep end of the pool and I got to tell you, Marty, this guy was unbelievable. And you mentioned the, the curse and the various uh, stories about the, the problems that the team had over the years. And I, I realized pretty quickly that, you know, the lovable losers, this was, had nothing to do with the Cubs. They were a juggernaut in those days. And, and that's basically how I got turned on to studying Murphy. Well, interesting. Jason Cannon is with us. Charlie Murphy is the name of the book. It's really a good story of, of baseball and what it was like in those days. It's interesting for me how he got the ball club, the Cubs, because he mm-hmm. ended up being involved with the half-brother of the future president of the United States. And the half-brother was uh, Charles um, Taft. And uh, William Howard Taft, of course, became president after uh, Theod- Theodore Roosevelt. Murphy was uh, a journalist, and early in his career in Cincinnati, he worked for the Inquirer, and he was a baseball writer. And over the years, he developed a really good reputation for covering the sport. Um, And he also covered the police blotter and a number of other uh, uh, stories around town. And so Charles Taft, along with his father-in-law, purchased several newspapers and combined them. They merged together into the Cincinnati Times Star. And at that point, Taft recruits Murphy and says, come on over and work for me. And Murphy agrees to do that. And down the road, uh, Murphy's connections in baseball really pay off, having covered the sport. You know, he was in Cincinnati at the same time that future American League president, Ben Johnson, was a writer. Uh, Charlie Comiskey was a manager at that time. These guys were all in this Cincinnati circle. And so what ended up happening is one day Murphy is getting to uh, have a series of meetings with John T. Brush, who owned the Reds at the time, to talk about the club, business, you know, what we can do in terms of writing articles. And, and Brush is kind of annoyed by Murphy, but agrees, okay, we'll talk. We can have these interviews. And then Brush later on ends up going to become the owner of the New York Giants. And he was so charmed by Murphy that he took him with him. 
as the first press agent in the history of the game. And then as part of his job as the press agent of the Giants in the early part of 1905, as Murphy would go ahead of the team on the road and promote the club in the various cities where they were going to visit. And one of the places he goes is Chicago. And he sits down with Jim Hart, who he's known throughout the years of working for the newspaper uh, in the newspaper business. And Jim Hart worked in the front office of the Cubs at the time. And Hart tells him, John Walsh owns a team and he's having money problems. And so we're going to have to sell the club. And Murphy goes, really? What's the price? And Hart goes, I'm not really sure, but I, I think it's, I don't think it's going to be particularly outlandish. Well, they talk a little bit more and Hart tells him, you can get an option to buy the club for $105,000. And Murphy can't believe it. He says, you got to be kidding me. He goes, give me an option to buy the club. I'll be right back. So he hops on a train, heads down to Cincinnati, walks into the office of Charles Taft, who is a millionaire multiple times over, and he says, Charles, my former boss, we have got to go into business together and buy this club. I guarantee you that this will be an investment like you won't believe. We just got to move quickly in order to do it. Taft at first isn't sure, but within a few days decides, okay, let's do it. And really the rest became history. Taft and Murphy buy the club together. And within a year of owning the club, the two have a deal worked out where even though Taft fronted the money by the end of 1906, which is Murphy's first full season uh, as president, of the, he's already paid off the loan that he got from Taft to buy the club. And Murphy's your lead shareholder. Wow. Well, the story continues, and this is what makes it a, a real story, is here's now Charlie Murphy, a press agent who is, owns the Cubs. He's got the uh, family of the future president involved, and the Cubs turn out to be a tremendous team in the, that period of time. They're winning four pennants in a row, uh, World Ch- Series a couple of years as well. But he is a, a pariah. Um, he doesn't handle the players well, and he fights with the league. And this is the crux of the story. Charlie Murphy as owner of the Cubs. Give us a couple of highlights of why that became the crux of the story. Well, I think for Charlie, he uh, he was a survivor. And his family, his parents both were immigrants from Ireland and endured very difficult circumstances. And he had a hard childhood, and there were a number of difficulties there. And he became in essence, a survivor at an early age. He went to work as a young teenager to help support his mother and his siblings. And that instinct really stayed with him for most of his life. And there was a time where if one looks at his story, you think to yourself, well, Charlie, just just switch from surviving to thriving. You're in a good spot now. But that instinct that stayed with him combined with his incredible competitiveness put him at odds with a number of people throughout the game, as you mentioned. And then to top it off, he was also so innovative. He was not interested in the status quo. And so he drove tension between the status quo and innovation in the boardroom. And because of that, he made enemies. Now, he was someone who was quick to laugh off conflict, and he was quick to apologize and patch things up. But there were times in relationships that over the years got to the point uh, where they were not repairable. And the best example is American League President Van Johnson. Uh, Those two went at it 
for basically Murphy's entire career in baseball. At one point, Van Johnson actually wrote a letter to the National League owners and said, I'm on the verge of breaking off the relationship between the American and National Leagues unless you get rid of Murphy. Uh, They called his bluff, but there's no question that that tension played a key role in the boardroom throughout the years. As far as the players go, it's a great question. You know, there were some great relationships developed in those early years, particularly Murphy and Chance. They were very, very close. But then things changed um, in 1908 when Chance and he disagreed over a contract extension. Chance had agreed to a contract extension late in the season. And then after the year, they won the pennant and Chance went back into his office and said, I'm interested in possibly revisiting this deal I just signed because now we've captured another pennant. And so I think there's more value here. Murphy, instead of just calmly either acknowledging Chance's uh, take on the situation, he exploded very upset and Chance took it personally and their relationship was never the same after that. Wow. All right, so Charlie Murphy is the book. It's it's a these are just some highlights of the story of what what went on here. But they kick him out of the league basically. They force him to sell the team, yep. which eventually eventually ends up in the hands of the Wrigley family and they become the Cubs of Wrigley Field. And then uh, Murphy actually becomes sort of a hero in his hometown and he builds this magnificent theater which is still in existence uh, 100 years later. And uh, tell us a little bit very briefly about that, because it is sort of his legacy. Other than being the president of the Cubs during a great time, they kicked him out of baseball. He sounds like Charlie Finley, that uh, he couldn't get along (laughs) with anybody. But tell us about the theater, because that's sort of his living monument in Wilmington, Ohio. Yeah, he grew up in Wilmington, Ohio. He was very passionate about his hometown. And one thing that he decided to do upon um, being ousted from baseball is to build, as you mentioned, a world-class theater. So he did. He spent a quarter of a million dollars on this theater that you're right, is still standing today. And it became uh, a legacy, not just for him, but for his family. And it was very important for him to have his family name on that theater. It wasn't his original idea, but once a friend of his suggested it, he embraced it. And it did become um, a, a legacy piece for him. And he at one point said, you know, my, my, my tombstone in Sugar Grove Cemetery on the west side of town will be, will be plain and fit in along with everyone else's because the, the real monument to uh, our lives, our family's legacy, you'll find on Main Street, this magnificent theater that opens in 1918. And as you mentioned, still around today. What a great story. All right, Charlie Murphy, the iconoclastic showman behind the Chicago Cubs. Now, as they say the title and hearing a little of the background, I understand it a lot better. But when you get the book, you'll find out about the, the disputes with the manager, selling the favorite players, suing the Cubs late, later on, fights with other owners, a ticket scandal in the 1908 World Series where he was scalping tickets. And this is the president and owner. Of the of the Chicago Cubs, the the Cubs that were a fabulous team at that period of time in baseball. Jason, it's a pleasure to have you on. As I said, the book put out by Nebraska Press, and it really is a very colorful story of baseball. And that's those are the shoulders that we stand on today. I know it's different today; we don't see owners like this, but that's the way the game was made. So I appreciate you being on. 
Thanks so much for having me. Everyone have a great day. All right. That is Jason Cannon. Charlie Murphy, the iconoclastic showman behind the Chicago Cubs. It's a good story. All right, more coming up. KMBR 680-1045, the sports leader. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment, which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.